The mountains hold all sorts of secrets. They can have caves of all shapes and sizes, caverns that go so far that we may never see the end. But do these caves and caverns, nooks and crannies hide beasts that aren't supposed to exist? Well, I guess we'll find out. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Real quick before we jump into these stories, I currently am selling Swamp Dweller Crushed Habanero Hot Sauce. This sauce is handmade by myself. I grow every single pepper that's in this sauce bottle in my back garden. I handpick them all, I choose them very carefully, and I crush and make the sauce myself. If you're interested in learning more about this sauce or want to support the swamp and get yourself a bottle today, there is going to be a link in the description and the pinned comment. It would mean so much to me if you guys checked it out and perhaps gave it a taste. There's only a handful of bottles left. Since I make them myself, I can only do small batches. Be sure to grab one before they're all gone for the year. My Small Town Horror Story by Jesse my friend and I were just texting about this story the other day since it randomly crossed my mind again. I'm about to tell the story of one winter in the early 2000s when my buddy and I were in grade 11. Our names will be slightly altered and the exact location of the main event will be omitted to help us remain anonymous. So, as you'll see, my buddy and I did nothing morally wrong, but we still want to stay anonymous. We didn't make the best safety decisions considering the situation we ultimately ended up in during this story, which is why I said I didn't do anything morally wrong, however, we did do multiple things that were wrong common sense wise. My buddy and I had just finished working out at our local gym. We do live in a relatively small community in Canada, and people aren't really around all that often. After finishing up our workout and leaving the gym, my buddy who we'll call Heisenberg for the sake of this story as that is the television fictional character that he likes, suggest that we go out for a rip in his truck on some of the back roads of a nearby mountain area for fun. On the way to this mountainous or extremely steep-hilled area, however you want to look at it, we have a great time blasting music and making jokes. However, the closer we got to our destination, which was a super cool lookout over the top of the mountain, the thicker the snow started to get, as it was the middle of winter, as I said. The further we went down the back roads, the more dense the trees became, and the less noticeable the road was. This changed eventually, and we reached a clearing in the middle of the back roads. The snow was thicker than before, and finally there was too much snow for Heisenberg and me to go any further. At this point, we weighed out our options and decided to try and turn around and go home. However, we were in for a sketchy surprise. We could not turn around because the snow had gotten so deep that we couldn't back up his truck at all. The only reason we could make it to where we were was because of the speed his vehicle was going at the time, and since we suddenly stopped the truck to weigh our options, we couldn't wait back to peel out of there, you know? We checked his vehicle to see if there was anything that could help dig out part of the snow to help make it easier to exit for us, but unfortunately, we forgot to put a shovel in the back of his truck on this day. I offered to run to a nearby town to get help. After running for just a few minutes, I stopped. What I was doing could be a bad idea because the snow was intense on the section of the back roads we were stuck. 
The back roads were slippery further down the mountainous area we had driven through to get where the truck was stuck. Meaning if anything happened to me, if I slipped or got hurt, nobody would likely know for a while or ever, so nobody would be there to help me. So I returned back to the truck. I didn't realize it would be safer for my buddy and me to stick together. I guess that should be common sense and this is why I mentioned in the beginning that we made some bad choices. We panicked for a bit because nobody knew where we were. However, we eventually came to the terms with the idea that we may have to spend the night in the wilderness as it was getting late and the sun would go down within the next hour or two. Also, as it was winter, the weather was getting much colder. Unfortunately, we didn't think to prepare for this situation, and I don't think we would have been able to make it out, especially clothing-wise, because we were working out at the gym before this and were still wearing shorts and t-shirts, so we were slightly worried about the condition we'd be in wrapped in the following day if we stayed out here. Eventually, the sun began to set and the thick fog sunk over the clearing, making the lack of visibility another stress-inducing element of this whole experience. After about 20 minutes of darkness and fog, headlights appeared in the mist ahead of us. A man exited the truck and came through the fog and walked to our car. The man lightly tapped his fingers against Heisenberg's window, signaling for him to lower it. Heisenberg fell the window slightly. The man then spoke. He asked us if we were having trouble and needed assistance. We explained to him our story, precisely as I've told you so far, and he agreed to help us. We also told him that his truck was the only one we had seen since driving on this back road, and he explained that he lived in a small house just up the road and just wanted to go out for a rip in his own truck for this particular day. The man then walked back to his truck, pulled out a chainsaw, and then proceeded to walk towards our car. Just before reaching where our truck was, he departed from the clearing in the road and walked over to a nearby tree in the wooded area on the side of the back road. He then cut a few skinny branches off the tree. I got out of the truck and walked over to him. I asked him what he was doing in a polite tone and introduced myself formally as Jesse. Again, not my real name. Still, for anonymity, I'm using it. As, you know, I don't want to be giving it to anybody. Anyways, I introduced myself using my real name when I spoke to him. He introduced himself too and explained that he could use the small branches to help prop our truck tires on the top of the snow and then we'd have to rev the engine like we'd never done before to hopefully get unstuck. We did eventually get our truck onto a part of the road with light snow covering. We then hopped out of our car to thank him for helping us. He told us it was not a problem, then got back in his car, turned around and disappeared into the nighttime winter fog just as quickly as he had arrived. After he left, we agreed to eventually become 100% convinced that we had just met our guardian angel in human form, and honestly, we're just super happy we lived. I know this isn't necessarily the most, you know, heart-pounding, adrenaline-inducing horror story, but the thought that we could have died because of our lack of common sense at the time really does freak me out, and I think a lot of people can relate. Creepy Road Trip Experience by Connor P. My ex and I were traveling around from Colorado down through southern Arizona back in 2017 or so. We paid $15 for a backcountry permit, the plan being to camp out on the White Mountain Apache Reservation, which is a super cool canyon through which the White River flows and palm trees and saguaro cactuses bloom like crazy in the springtime. We drove my 2002 Tacoma down the windy two-track road, down to a stream we crossed in the truck. Some native kids were playing in the water. It was a beautiful day, and we had my beloved dog at the time, Cookie, 
with us in the air-conditioned back seat of my extended cab. Anyway, we wound up finding a fantastic shady beach to camp on. But since no one else was crossing that stream or paying for the reservation permit, the only people out there were a handful of ranchers covering the entire western Fort Apache lands, and, well, let's just say we had mixed feelings about the isolation and being so alone. I mean, there was no cell service, and in the back of my mind, I knew we had to cross that creek again to get out of there in case of an emergency. But it was nice having the place to ourselves. However, the canyon, it, it really did have a creepy vibe, and my dog Cookie kept staring at the hillside, which did not help that subtle feeling of being watched. We walked down the road a bit and saw an excellent path that led down to the river, marked by a sign that read simply, Natives Only. Of course, we did not want to be disrespectful or even think about what might happen if we were caught down there. Some big white clouds were rolling in, so we returned to our sandy beach to get our tent set up. We brought some leftovers out, which didn't keep very well in the heat, but we ate them anyway. The clouds had cleared and made way for a clear and starry night, luckily. We were lying in the sand and looking up at the stars, trying to make out some constellations, when we saw what we thought at first was a shooting star. But unlike a shooting star, which is visible for a fleeting second as it burns through the atmosphere of the Earth, this star was flying around, making little turns and squiggly little routes, as if getting bigger. Just then, another light appeared closer than the first. We saw it flying right at us. It almost looked like one of those little festival rides, like when you sit in one of those little pods and go around in circles. Still, whatever this thing was flew right down into the canyon and hovered way above us, blocking out the very stars and sky that we were trying to look at. I kid you not, a thin, laser-like light beamed down from the craft. It looked like different colored lights were pulsing down from the beam, casting weird shadows in the canyon walls, seemingly materializing in other spots. We could see one of the lights was behind this bushy shrub, a few yards away from us. The bush was all lit up from behind and we could see the light was moving around and behind the bush, but we couldn't see what it was looking for. Cookie seemed transfixed, but we weren't scared or anything at first. It was pretty cool with the lights, and we still didn't know if it was some drone or something like that, which would be odd, but not exactly uncommon these days. The light around the bush appeared to be peeking out at us, almost like if it were trying to look at us. It honestly kind of reminded me of those robots from the movie iRobot where the ethereal light begins with no natural solid substance, but instead comprised of energetic light frequencies similar to a hologram. This blue-green light seemed curious about us, not necessarily threatening. It also was pulsing with different colors now and appeared to be communicating via complex light patterns to the other light beings still spread out around the canyon at the time. I'm not sure what happened, but we must have fallen asleep at some point because when we woke up, it was morning, and we were in the tent. People talk about time loss and post-abduction confusion, which happened because the next day we weren't even really sure if it was a dream or if it had happened at all. We had thought about staying another night, but we thought better of it and decided to take off early. So we drove out and crossed the creek again with no problem and bumped down to Phoenix, then out to California, and apparently... That whole region is super infamous for UFO sightings. So maybe, just maybe, we got unlucky and camped in one of its hotspots. spots. 
Something is wrong with this mountain by Kai. Hello there, my name is Kai. I'm not necessarily a skeptic, but I don't know if I truly believe. Still, I always look for a scientific explanation before I call anything supernatural, so I understand if what I say seems hysteric. I was young when I had this encounter, somewhere between the ages of 10 and 11 so most of the imagery I describe may be a bit more graphic or fantastical since feeling fear when you're a child can cause the imagination to run a bit wild. Though I ask those listening to please believe me when I say that this experience has stuck with me and is one of the few reasons I will never go camping in the mountains again. I lived in two different places for most of my life. My family had a home in LA where my school was. And my other side of the family had a tiny house in a tiny town in rural Idaho where most of my mom's family lived. This story takes place during one of the many summers in Idaho. Since it was summer and my parents still had work during the week and had no one to watch over me and my little brother, we were always at summer camp. However, most of the campsites my brother and I usually went to were full or had shut down due to the lack of children in the area. It was mostly a retirement town. So, my mom had signed my brother and me up for a week's day camp in the mountains. Though, it was a nerve-wracking experience to meet new people, I was okay with going since I didn't want to sit at home and do nothing all day. The camp itself was alright. There were only four counselors, and the group of kids was relatively small. But I met a few other girls my age. Every day was a new activity or adventure, as the counselors called it. For example, on the first day we went mountain biking on a nearby trail, and after that we just swam in the nearby river until the bus came to pick us up. We had our overnight camping trip on Friday, the final day of the camp. My brother and I had only been camping once before this trip, so we overpacked on snacks, bug spray, and clothes we would not wear. Still, we brought everything. The day started as usual when we got to camp, with the campers building stick forts in the park and swimming in the river. Sometime around 4.30pm, we all went inside the camp lodge and ate an early dinner, which consisted of ham and cheese sandwiches and heavily watered down lemonade. After we finished eating, the counselors gave us a brief safety talk, and we split into four groups for the hike up the mountain to the campsite. We did not walk for long, maybe only an hour and a half, until we spotted four tents and a large clearing at the top of the mountain. For the tents, it was whoever got a spot first and since my brother and I were part of the last group up the hill, we had no chance of getting a sleeping area in the already crowded tents. The counselors laid a large tarp on the grass clearing for the leftover campers, which barely made the situation any better, but seeing as I had no place to go, I didn't argue. I just threw my stuff near my brothers and ran over to my friends. The counselors still had to set up a fire and grab some supplies from the lodge, so we were allowed a couple of hours to play in the woods next to the campsite until s'mores time. We had started a game of hide-and-seek tag, and the winner would be allowed a second s'more, so my competitiveness was through the roof. I split up from my friends and ran deep into the forest to find a very good hiding spot. I split up from my friends and went deep into the forest to hide and find a very good hiding spot. Finally, settling on a rotting, hollow tree stump, Surrounded by thick foliage and bushes, I stayed there silent for what felt like an hour until I heard the faint rustling of footsteps. It was slightly off to the right from where I was hiding. The sky had already grown dim, 
and I couldn't see my surroundings from where I sat. So I silently stood up and looked to my right expecting to see one of the other campers or even a counselor. What I saw, though, was a deer standing very still, looking dead at me. I gasped and crouched a little lower not to frighten or cause the deer to run away. I stood there, staring back at the animal with childlike awe and curiosity. This went on for at least a minute before I took a closer look at the creature, a little disturbed at how still it was and barely moving. It looked skinny. Even as a child, I could see it was malnourished somehow. Its hair was a bit patchy, and its mouth was open as if its jaw was broken, though it didn't look to be in any sort of pain. I began to feel afraid, and I didn't feel safe around this creature. I, I tried to leave my spot, not even daring to look away from the deer as it stood, not even a few more feet away from me, and it never looked away. As soon as I was out of the foliage and back onto the well-worn-out path which led to the campsite, only then did I run away and try to get away as fast as possible. When I got back, I was chewed out by my counselor for going too far and being gone for too long. I was more upset that I didn't get my extra s'more, to be honest. When the sun set and the night fell, the counselor started putting out the campfire and instructing us to go into our sleeping bags and turn out our flashlights. I slept on the tarp's edge and my friends piled up in the middle. I felt exhausted and quickly fell asleep after reading a couple of pages of the book I had brought. The night was alright, not too cold since it was summer. I did get up and go to the bathroom, and there were no real bathrooms so I just had to go into the woods. I stayed close to the camp but far enough to be out of sight so I could do my business peacefully. As I finished and returned to my sleeping bag, I heard a familiar rustle in the woods. I quickly pointed my flashlight in the direction the noise had come from, and you guess where this was going. Yes, the same deer was staring back at me. Its appearance was even more eerie because the light from the, the flashlight made its eyes glow. Its mouth was still gaping open, and it looked wider than before this time. Instead of standing still, it strolled around a nearby tree. Its steps looked wobbly and entirely unnatural. Every time it moved, I swear I thought it would just fall to the ground right then and there. It was so unbalanced, it just almost felt like it was walking on the moon. I was frozen, unable to walk away or even move my arms or say a thing. I just had to stand there and look at this horrid creature. I wouldn't say I was afraid, but I was deeply disturbed. This deer needed to be corrected, physically or possibly mentally. I finally could move my body after I heard another pair of emerging footsteps, most likely another camper with a weak bladder. This sudden sound must have startled the deer as it began to wobble and walk back into the forest. I took a few erratic breaths and quietly returned to my sleeping bag as quickly as I could. I jumped back into my bag, zipped it up entirely, and curled myself into a ball, trying my best to go back to sleep. After that night, I never went back to that camp or any summer camps entirely. I told my brother what happened, but he didn't seem as weirded out by the situation as I was. I did decide to forget about it and keep the story to myself. I don't know what I saw that night. I don't know if it was just a wounded, diseased deer or something much stranger than I can imagine. I hope this story is well enough to be shared as I am not much of a writer. And thank you for listening. Logging in Alaska is Dangerous by Anonymous I work as a logger on a remote mountain in Alaska. That's as much as I'll say about the location for privacy. 
Our crew consists of six men, and we spend our days cutting down trees and hauling them away, as you can imagine. It is a tough job, but the pay is good, and we all enjoy being out in nature. However, something strange has been happening lately. We've started hearing strange noises at night, like branches snapping and leaves rustling. We all joked that it was just some sort of wild animal, maybe a bear or something, but the sounds were getting closer and closer to our campsite, and they just sound wrong, you know? One night, I woke up to the sound of heavy breathing. I sat up in my tent, trying to figure out what the heck it was, and that's when I saw it. A dark figure was standing outside of my tent, watching me. It was too tall to be a bear or any animal I'd ever seen before. I froze in terror, not knowing exactly what to do. The figure stood there, watching me before slowly lurking back into the woods and disappearing altogether. The next day, I told the other guys what I had seen. They all laughed it off, saying I must have been dreaming. But the strange noises continued, and we all started to feel incredibly uneasy. Then, one night, while we all were gathered around our campfire, we heard a roar from deep within the woods. It sounded like nothing we had ever heard before. Like I said, we had encountered bears, we have seen them, we have even had to shoo them away a few times. We all jumped to our feet, ready to defend ourselves, but whatever had made this noise had apparently already disappeared because we had never heard it after that that night. But we all sat alert, scared out of our minds. We were prepared to deal with bears and other animals, but this thing, it seemed to be playing with us. The next day, we decided to investigate. We followed the path from where the noise had come from and we stumbled upon a cave. The air was thick. The stench was, it was that of rotting flesh and we all knew something was not right. As we approached the cave, we saw something move inside. We cautiously moved closer and saw what we had feared the most. It was unlike anything we had ever seen with our eyes. A creature staring back at us with glowing eyes. It was humanoid, with long claws, and its skin looked like it was made of bark. We all froze in terror, not knowing what to do or how to react to such a creature. This thing, this man, this creature, started to move towards us, and we all took off running, never looking back behind us. We didn't stop until we returned to our trucks, and we all agreed never to ever go to that mountain again. But of course we would have to. The twist, though. When we returned to town and reported our experience to the authorities, they didn't believe us at all. They said we probably saw things and there was no such thing as a creature we described. But we all knew what we saw. We all still have nightmares about it. I still think about it every single day and I've been scouring the internet for years. Uh, the closest thing I see is like, a, is like a wendigo. But this thing's skin is so different. It was humanoid, but it wasn't a human. If anybody has any idea what we may have seen... Please let me know in the comments down below. I'll definitely be checking back. Mount Everest Scarred Me for Life by Owen Lifts Things I'm sure many people who hike and climb mountains like I do have always dreamed about climbing Mount Everest. And finally, the opportunity presented itself to me. I had trained for months, preparing my body for the extreme conditions that awaited me. And then finally, the day arrived. The travel was okay itself. It took a long time to get there, as you can imagine, from the United States. 
and we had to do more than just flying. We had to get into some sketchy, like, little taxi things and go to smaller villages. It was, it was all kinds of crazy, but it was an experience. As I finally got there and had my chance to hike up the mountain, I was awestruck by the beauty around me. The snow-capped peaks, the crisp mountain air, and the sense of accomplishment I felt as I climbed higher and higher. But as I approached a particularly treacherous stretch of the climb, I saw something that chilled me to the bone. There, frozen in the ice, right there in the middle of the trail was the body of a hiker. It was clear that they had perished some time ago during their climb, and their body had been frozen in time forever here on the trail. Their face was twisted in agony, and their fingers were clawed into the ice. Honestly, I really didn't know what to do. Should I keep climbing and ignore the body? I did do research, and there are all kinds of bodies on Mount Everest and other mountains in general, but I had never, ever come across one, and I didn't think it would be in the middle of a trail like this. I didn't know if I should go and try to find help or report what I had seen, but as I stood there, paralyzed with this sense of fear and indecision, a gust of wind blew across the mountain, causing the body to sway ever so slightly. It was as if the frozen hiker was trying to tell me something. I decided, for whatever reason, I couldn't tell you why, to just keep climbing, but I couldn't shake that feeling that something was watching me. Every time I turned around, I felt like the frozen hiker's eyes were on me, following me, accusing me of leaving them there to die alone. As I continued up the mountain, I started to hear strange noises, like footsteps crunching in the snow, the sound of heavy breathing and whispers in the wind. I couldn't tell if it was just my imagination or if there was something else actually on the mountain with me. Now, I'm sure a lot of people will say you were probably anxious, you were scared, you might have just freaked yourself out, you know? It happens. Placebo effect, if you will. But I, I just... something felt wrong. For what felt like hours, as I made it to the final summit, the sense of accomplishment was overwhelming, but it was quickly overshadowed by the fear and this uneasy feeling that had been building inside of me this whole time. As I looked out the view from the top, I saw something that just made my blood run cold. In the distance, standing on a nearby peak, was that frozen hiker. They were looking directly at me, their eyes glowing in the dim light, and I couldn't believe what the heck I was seeing. Suddenly, I was hit by a gust of wind and the frozen hiker disappeared from view, but I knew deep down they were still there watching me and waiting for their revenge. From that day on, I, I've never really spoke of what I've seen on Mount Everest, but the memory of the frozen hiker and the feeling of being watched still haunts me to this day. I did report the body when I got back down. I'm not sure if they ever removed it. I have done research and heard that they do not often remove bodies, as it's some sort of landmark for people sometimes. I'm not entirely sure if that's, you know, just a morbid thing or just because it's easier to leave them there, but it's interesting. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true mountain horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to slap that like button silly as it helps me out a ton. Be sure to subscribe if you're new, turn on notifications to never miss a new video as I upload them almost every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to send it on in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit stories via reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to see your story. 
if you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcast, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the Swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. If you guys can, be sure to comment down below letting me know what story was your favorite tonight. There is no code word today, as I just can't think of one, but I would like to circle back and mention my hot sauce again. Like I said, we only have a few bottles left. It's all handmade, fresh and organic from my very own garden. I grow and handpick every pepper. I only have a limited supply since I make everything myself, so there is a link in the description and the pinned comment. Grab one while you can. I'd love to see your reviews and how you all enjoy the taste. Or if you dislike it, let me know that it sucks. <laughs> I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.